0: we are recording. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jets, Nets, and Sets, your voice for the ultimate in hardcore sports. I'm your host, Stephen Blush, joined by the ultimate co-host, my man, your man, the man, Tony Man. How you doing, Tony?
1: All right, Stephen. Hey, I'm excited to talk to our friend Ray.
0: Yeah. Now, this week's episode is a bit of a misnomer. I mean, Will we be talking about Robert Saleh and the 2021 New York Jets? Nope. Will we be talking about Dr. J and the ABA New York Nets? No. Will we even be discussing the New York sets of World Team Tennis? Well, not exactly. Correct. We are not even discussing New York. In fact, for this great sports story, we will travel due north.
1: Tony. Uh, Do you mean Toronto Buffalo Royals of World Team Tennis? No. Or the New England Whalers of the World Hockey Association? Nope. Oh, you must mean the minor league hockey Lowell Lock Monster.
0: Definitely not. I'm talking about, I am talking about a pro tennis team so sweet and succulent they could only be known as the Boston Lobsters. And to tell his story as the owner of the lobsters, let us please welcome the king of the softball swing, the viceroy of the Volvo, original 1974 Boston Lobsters owner, Ray Chiccolo. Chico- Ray welcome, Ray, to our podcast.
2: Welcome, hey, guys. Me. How are you doing? Welcome. Nice to see you both. Great it's to so great, you, Ray. Ray.
0: You know, we've gotten to know each other over the past few years. You, you were a huge help to my book and the upcoming film about World Team Tennis called Bustin' Balls, which just won a prestigious design award, by the way.
2: Congratulations. Um, so,
0: yeah, so uh, you had so much to do with that. So we're just going to hold a little conversation. And I just kind of wanted to start. But you talk about your start in tennis, like how you got involved and in, I don't know if it has anything to do with Volvo, but I know there's a Volvo connection to the sports. So kind of. Take yeah, that I, a I think up. that
2: came a little later. I, I yeah. was reading a story. Being an avid sports fan, as all Bostonians are, I was reading an article that said they're putting bringing in a new uh, world team tennis, and Boston was an open market, and they were having uh, an organization meeting up in Canada. You know, I I just don't remember whether it was Montreal or Toronto, but it said, bring your check and you could uh, own a team.
1: (laughs) So uh, like a
2: crazy guy, I brought my check and I came away with the Boston franchise.
0: Wow. Um, What attracted you to uh, the idea of team tennis? And I guess, what were your expectations going into it too? Because this is, not only a new team and a new league, but it's really a new concept of a sport. Yeah,
2: you know, I'm not sure I had a lot of expectations. One of the things is that uh, Boston is a really, really hotbed of tennis and it had the second biggest, most successful tennis tournament in the country and one of the biggest in the world in uh, Longwood. And uh, that was the days of the amateurs, but the Rod Labors and Stan Smiths and all the uh, big, big names, before they went commercial and, and started to play for money, they, you know, this tournament was always sold out uh, in Boston.
0: Yeah, so it was really like there was a, and there was a whole thing about indoor tennis that was happening at the time too, right? Like a lot of people were starting to play indoor
2: because it was cold. Oh yeah, for oh, sure. Past- 10 years Um,
0: before that a lot
2: of clubs had popped up and there was a lot of people uh you know playing indoors there was a lot of interest in tennis in the boston area i said what better city than boston to have a team
0: um what uh talk about those first league meetings and the first draft what was going on in your mind you know all that you know all that kind
2: of stuff that was very 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 interesting because uh, you know i have I'm careful what I say, but there was a slick group from LA and, you know, they were involved in forming, I, several leagues, you know, it was so long ago that I don't want to name the leagues. I think it was the WHA, but, uh, in any event, uh, you know, they were involved in all these, uh, uh, you know, leagues, these new leagues. And, uh, they were talking about, uh, you know, starting up a new football league, and these were the guys. These are the movers and the shakers. As a matter of fact, I wa- I remember one particular meeting was in Houston, and uh, I again I say it was so long ago. I think it was Houston, and uh, Gordy Howe was playing for one of the WHA teams. Yeah, and he says, "Come on," he says. We'll take all you guys back into the locker room to meet Gordy Howe after the game. So, sure enough, he was around fifty then, still playing, <laughs> still checking and being Gordy Howe. Amazing. And uh, I remember seeing this, and you know, they were they had to play another game right after this. They had to catch a bus, and they were throwing all this wet uniforms and skates and equipment in their their hockey bag and they were trying to make it out of there and i'm thinking wow this is not exactly uh what a, a hockey fan would think of when he thinks of one of these uh locker rooms so anyway down, down was, and dirty uh,
1: down and dirty right there yep
2: yep yep well it's you know the real thing you know and Goody howe like all hockey players you know he Back in the locker room, he takes out his teeth, and you got all these hockey players, and you say, "Wow, <laughs> this is this is a new experience." In any event, uh, it was interesting meeting with all these guys, and uh, and they had formed a committee, and they had started signing players, so they already signed some players when we went to the initial uh, organizing meeting. Now, every other tennis organization in the world was boycotting World Team Tennis. So if you ever played for World Team Tennis, oh my God, you were a scourge. And, uh, you know, so uh, here I am right after I signed up and I figured right away, I'm gonna have to sign some players. So I take, uh, um, my wife and I, we fly to Wimbledon shortly thereafter. And we, we start trying to talk to players they wouldn't even talk to us. So, uh, you know, they were told if they uh, played in team tennis, they would ban them from Davis Cup and they would ban them. I mean, which was absolutely ludicrous because if you think of the supply and demand equation of pro sports, the more people that are bidding for your services, these guys could have made more money and driven up, you know, prize money and so on, but they just, it was you know they were purists you couldn't do that you couldn't clap you couldn't make noise oh my god we were like you know so very interesting time
1: it's hard to imagine in today's sport climate with the way people participate now it kind of was a holdover from world team tennis and it affected all sports later on in a way
2: yeah, it did. I mean, you've got a complete uh, 180 now. Now, my God, some of the fans, if they're not down there on the field, you know, it's like <laughs> that, uh, it's like that uh, stripper in the Super Bowl there, you know. <laughs> the striker. You know, he wants to <laughs> participate. Hey, you know, I want my five minutes of glory.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Great.
0: But it was really a, um, like, we'll get into it, but like early in the season, I mean, Jimmy Connors uh, and Ivan Gulagong, I mean, they got banned after winning the Australian. They couldn't. They weren't allowed to participate in the French and the Italians. If you remember yeah,
2: that. <laughs> yeah, they it took courage on their part. They obviously saw something uh, that maybe you know this might have some merit. You know, so uh, you know gradually some of them started to sign, but. Uh, you know i i think they the owners kind of made a mistake they started to acquiesce to uh, schedules uh, with the players and i think that was a mistake
0: sure there's a bunch of problems and we'll talk about all those problems um i want to talk about the naming of the team like the first days of the organization of the operation naming the team choosing a mascot you have the office with all this red and black lobster stationery, you know. Talk about yeah. behind the
2: scenes of this operation. Well, this, this was really kind of amusing. Uh, you know, Bud Collins, who was the premier tennis writer in the world, he used to write uh, internationally, as you all know, and- uh, A
1: legend, he's a legend. Yeah,
2: he was he was remarkable. And uh, so he wrote a story that said, the local Volvo dealer buys you know, the Boston franchise. So, uh, you know, uh, again, the, the details are a little sketchy, but uh, pretty soon uh, someone shows up at my Volvo dealership and he says, Hi, uh, they said, There's someone here to see you. And they bring him in my office, and uh, this kid, young kid shows up. He says, Hi, hey, I'm John Corp. I go to Harvard and I want to run your team and he was a ballsy kid. This kid had a lot of uh, moxie and, uh, and he was very, very, very good. So, uh, he was also a tennis player, came from a very wealthy family that, you know, country clubs and tennis and so on. So, uh, needless to say, we hit it off and I hired him. And, uh, so that's where it began.
1: Yeah. How did you come up with the name of when you came up with the name of Boston Lobsters?
2: Well, you know, there's a, there, it's so funny because uh, I had a conversation with my brother not too long ago, one of my brothers, and he absolutely alleges that he was the one that named the team and he gave me that <laughs>
1: that name.
2: But uh, he what really were some wasn't. of the
1: clunkers that didn't make it? Was there any? Clunker, um, you can
2: remember? Again, we it. had a gigantic, at the time I remember I had a product called Renault. And-, uh, and Le Car, had this,
1: Renault Le Car.
2: Renault Le Car, oui. yeah we yeah. yeah. oui. le car. <laughs> so anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, we decided to have a contest. In the meantime, Bud Collins had write, written a story, it seems to me. And in my conversations to, with Bud Collins, Somehow that name came up and by Collins, I'm almost sure suggested that name in the paper. So okay. then we have this contest and we're going to give away a brand new car um, to who, whoever names the team and we select the name. Well, we are, between you and I, we knew what the name was going to be before <laughs> but, you. know, For publicity, we said, ah, we're going to have this big contest. So, but we had to make <laughs> sure because I've been around the block a little bit, even though I was very, very young. I knew that if I had, you know, 10,000 people sending the name lobsters, I would have 10,000 lawsuits saying I named the team. So we had to have some sort of device that uh, we put the name, all the names in the hat and we would draw one. So anyone that said uh, Boston lobsters and, and that was specified in the rules, whatever it was, and so we uh, we pulled out some young man's name, and he won the car. And we called that, and we announced that we were going to call the team the lobsters. But again, from uh, you know the the you know the cute little uh, uh, idea of a lob, and uh, all right, a, you know a tennis term, and yeah, and, you know a lobster with two claws and a tennis racket. So it very it, good. Uh, we then hired, uh, John hired uh, some artists and got some renditions. And and now he was big on uh, a lot of lobster gear equipment. We had more equipment and t-shirts and tennis rackets. I mean, we bought more stuff than any of franchise all of them put together. So we really um, marketed it and saturated the area with lobster stuff.
1: And it fit regionally. It makes sense also.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it did. Obviously.
1: So, so
0: talk about putting this team together. I know you you draft um, Kerry Melville. Uh, you draft Ian Tyriak, the Mad Romanian.
1: Yeah, Dracula. Dracula. <clears throat> and, yeah. Let's story, there's
0: one story that I, I found that I guess you had drafted this guy named Nicky
2: Pillich. Yeah, very good player. Yeah. Very. Good but he was player. kind of like
0: he, he wasn't great to deal with though.
2: Uh, I I don't remember that. What yeah. happened was, again, um, we drafted Nikki Pillich. We drafted Kerry Melville, who was in the top five in the world, and, um, and Nikki Pillich. And all of a sudden, somehow, as we went along, more and more players started to show an interest in playing World Team Tennis. Somewhere, somehow, Roger Taylor, uh showed some interest and his wife was a, a a pro tennis player so we signed roger taylor to be the number one in singles you know our number one male player and uh, and we traded nikki pillage to uh new york a new york team yeah. the mm-hmm. uh sets, the sets right. N- nice okay. guy uh, i don't remember Wait, anything Okay. <laughs> so talk about
0: um you know kerry melville you have a very colorful team because Kerry Melville ends up marrying Raz Reed, your yes, your other yes. players, and you have well, this let crazy. Me tell you that. we'll start with that part first.
2: All right, um, you know, I sympathize with um, you know all these pro sports teams because a lot of things the fans don't know, and and uh, you know you do the best you can. So I signed this guy Roger Taylor. He was in the top ten in the world big big serve he was going to be you know really a macho male player he shows up with a bad arm in the meantime <laughs> I signed Raz Reed and I remember John and I driving to South Carolina like in the middle of the night trying to watch a, uh, uh, an, an exhibition match of um, Raz Reed and somebody else so we signed Raz Reed and I give him the kind of contract that says, you know, for every number one start you get, you know, you're going to get this bonus. I'm, everything's relative. I don't remember it was back then, but it was substantial because I already had my number one. And I'm thinking, oh, this kid will never play. But Taylor shows up with a sore arm. Now Raz Reed becomes my number one. <laughs> so I'm not only wow. really paying Raz Reed. I have to pay Taylor, who didn't play much. So, uh, you know, that was uh expensive. <laughs> and then as you point out, he and uh, Carrie Melville kind of hit it off and ended up getting married. And then we also signed a girl by the name of Trish Bostrom, who was a kind of a concert pianist and an interesting girl. And we signed uh, Janet Newbery. Now Janet Newbury was going to be, um, you know, uh, uh, play a big part in this. She was going to be a t- number two female player, and she shows up. I also with uh, she, yeah. I oh, know. I have to pick my words <laughs> carefully. No, but she showed she up like, way, way out. She
0: showed up way out of shape. Let's say. Yes. Yes. And, and so, didn't she like blow out both
2: her knees because of her yeah, weight? Yeah, something like her. that. Oh, no. but, you know, Again when you t- think about some of these proteins you, you just it's not in your best interest to scold them yell at them chastise them penalize them then you get nothing out of them so it right. was again one of those delicate things it was a where you know it was a lose lose you know so well speaking anyway, of yelling, so, at, speaking
0: of yelling at the teams you had a you had a pretty colorful head coach what are you tell us about my head? right
2: there wasn't any better than Ian Tiriac, you know, I, I would the give anything. And as you know, since he left the tennis business, he's the most successful man in all of Romania. So he was creative, he was clever, he was smart, he was savvy, uh, he gave us some tapes when he was playing for um, the uh, Romanian hockey team, he played the Russians. And uh, somewhere in my archives, I have all these tapes of him playing the Russians and the Russians were playing dirty. So this guy breaks a hockey stick over his knee and he charges the Russians. I mean, (laughs) this guy was unbelievably colorful. He also had this knack, which was insane, of (laughs) eating glass. (laughs) So I don't know how he started it, but and he actually, it wasn't, it wasn't... uh, it wasn't a, a trick. trick or anything. He would eat glass. So we had this party at my house with all the players and whatnot. And my I have three daughters, and the three daughters were there, young girls. And this guy scared the bejeebies out of him. Remember, <laughs> he had this long black mustache and he had the blackest hair. Yeah. He was very hairy, you know.
1: He's like and, Rasputin or Dracula. They used to call him yeah, too. Yeah,
2: exactly. He had that nickname, Dracula. He's our hero. He's... This guy is our hero. Okay, <laughs> he is. He was certainly mine. He was something. <laughs> so he was the he was the heart and soul of the team. But sure enough, he breaks a glass and he eats this glass at my house. And I'm thinking, oh my god. Of course, you're worrying about this guy bleeding to death, his, his internal organs. But whatever it was, he he. uh I don't know what possessed him to develop that kind of a knack.
0: There's also uh, also a
2: story of him
0: during a, during a, he's talking to the team and he pulls out a live lobster and bites its head off or something like that. Yeah. 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 Again,
2: uh, they, they didn't know he had a lobster behind him and uh, sure enough, uh, you know, he's trying to motivate him. He takes out this lobster. Uh, He he did a lot of things and, (laughs) <laughs> the, the he was an intimidating was... guy he was an intimidating guy absolutely and, uh, and he couldn't be intimidated uh, we have one particular game he was playing you know I, it wasn't Detroit it may have been Indiana but it was late in the season and he got some really bad calls and he, uh, he was threatening to take his team off the court and uh, so the umpire said, you know, 30 seconds, you know, during switchovers, you got 30 seconds. And he yes. was continuing to argue. And they said, uh, so they gave the point to the other team. And then he, they said 30 more seconds. And uh, again, he didn't go out in the court and they assessed another point to the team. Well, they kept doing that until we lost the game and we lost the match. And that Game cost us the playoffs.
0: Right. So, and actually, just so you know, that was a game in Miami. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was against the the Florida Flamingos, and that is Florida probably the game flamingos. that cost you. $2. That
2: probably cost Thank $2. you. $2. You know, I knew it was. I I was trying to recall that. Now I do uh, that name. The flamingos come to mind more than the Florida. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's yeah, and how you're, how in, you're, that. in, you're in Florida now. <laughs> yes.
2: So that, you know, uh, the other thing from the other thing for me was that there were a lot of big league teams that that own franchises, like, uh, you know, Los Angeles and uh, and Jerry Buss, he was a terrific guy, had a great friendship with Jerry, and uh, they wanted to, you know, keep their stadium occupied, put Mm -hmm. some revenue in for their stadiums that sat empty all summer. So they Mm -hmm. got franchises. And uh, so you got to meet a lot of interesting people. Jerry Buss, I remember one of our meetings to this day, um, he owned a small hotel in Palm Desert. Mm -hmm. And so one of our meetings was out there at Jerry Buss's hotel. Yes. All right. So,
1: Here you are like a, a car dealer and now you're rubbing elbows with all the big shots.
2: Absolutely. It was a hoot. Probably one <laughs> of the more interesting phases of my life that's had some interesting phases. Uh, one of the things was that, you know, Bob Kraft was one of my first season ticket holders. And that's how Bob Kraft got involved with pro sports. Mm-hmm. And uh, was you know, his you son, think- Was his son your ball boy? He absolutely was. To this day, uh, several years Jonah, ago, I went Jonathan to a Kraft. Patriots. Yeah, Several years ago, I went to a Patriots uh, game, and Robert Kraft hosted me, and the you know I was in his uh, box uh, before the game, and Jonathan came up and said, "I used to be your ball boy." So wow. that's the only one. Everybody in Boston that had young kids that. We're into tennis at all. Ted Kennedy's son, he had to be a ball boy and, and on and on. So again, you got to meet wow. some interesting sports does, uh, some interesting things to people and breaks down a lot of barriers. There was another interesting thing
0: about your, your team was that, um, there were a lot of young reporters who covered your
2: team, who went on to big things. Leslie oh, Visser, Dan oh sure. One Mike the Lupica. biggest of all, I would say is, uh, Mike Lupica. Oh yeah, Mike at the time was at BC, and he became a tennis writer. And then from there, he went to New York. And of course, you know the the rest. He's a huge, yeah. Uh, you know, also uh, Len Berman, Len Berman, Len Berman, and um, the big sports guy. Yeah, yep, yep. And I said, and let let discern, yeah, yeah. Shaughnessy was just starting out, and he covered. You know, I was looking back at some of the bylines and some of these. Big uh, sports guys, writers that covered the lobsters, it was a riot, because they were just getting started. Great. You know.
0: How would you how would you characterize the local press
2: response to the Boston Lobsters? Um too good. Too oh, great. good. What I heard was that Red R back was furious that the lobsters were getting more (laughs) pressed than the Celtics, so.
1: Let's face it, uh, he was just furious all the time anyway, okay?
2: Yeah, well, anyway, you know, (laughs) that's the story that got back to me. One of the (laughs) the writers were telling me that, but what we did, and the Celtics were in their heyday at that time, and every Sunday, they were on national TV. You had to have the Celtics, and uh, in May, the Celtics were always in the playoffs, so you knew that was gonna be a big game, so. Uh, one Sunday, uh, we dressed up someone in a full lobster costume <laughs> and during the playoffs, and it was on national television, we got this guy walking around in a lobster suit. And uh, for that, we got a scathing letter from the Celtics, which I cherished to this day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, you know, they, they weren't too happy about us uh, raining on their prank great and looking back i certainly can understand they were right
1: well this was a time for like a possibility for a new league to be a breakout like we didn't know at that time if world team tennis could have took over and become a mega thing or or any of these leagues could have it was like a new experimental time with these new leagues people were excited and some it's before kind of the franchising and 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 all this type of stuff where where uh Players could just jump team to team. This is when players were on a team for their whole life. Like,
2: he yeah.
1: was on the Red Sox for his whole life. Sure. They didn't have this this thing where they could jump <laughs> and get a bigger contract. So, this is like a new opportunity, maybe a new sport would have take, taken over. So, you luckily, the Lobsters got this great kind of uh, all kinds of coverage. Some of the teams didn't. Like, the Flamingos didn't get great coverage. Yeah. There's some you yeah. know that didn't. Well, look we're, at we're covering them more than they got in the day. In the sure, winter.
2: but look at, uh, to this day, the Marlins. They, they can't, uh, their attendance, and they, they've struggled. They can't draw anything. And uh, yeah. so it isn't only uh, tennis. It's, uh, I suppose, it's, you know, whatever the makeup of Miami is. Uh,
1: do you think it's to do with your enthusiasm and passion about it? Why everybody got behind it?
2: Like I think you're, so. you already in the
1: com- community. And then they like want to check it sure. out.
2: I think so. I I I uh, I was always big into PR, and John Cough was also. John Cough was, oh, yeah. you know, he would do anything. And uh, so, you know, he, I remember like he went to the uh, the uh, the health editor, and he would feed him a story about one of the guys on our team, what he does to stay healthy and that would make a story. Then he would go to the food editor and he would feed him a story about, uh, you know, Tyriac, uh, what his favorite recipe and what he likes to make at home. And then he went to the (laughs) entertainment editor and they did a story on Pat Bostrom being a concert pianist. And so uh you know we were in the paper all the time we found more angles and ways to uh be in the paper so uh and i think you know the sports writers you know they like to think they're attaching themselves to something that could be successful you know
1: yeah
0: um you know we could talk for a long time but you know we want to keep it this kind of in a
2: tight sure this
0: tight but when did you know it was was over like what and talk about the end i know there was Talk of moving the team to hartford there was something about phil
2: esposito being part of the group yeah it was some sort well, of weird i'll tell you and... another story yeah the first year a lot of people offered to buy in which i turned them down and then um cosby who was a tennis player he wanted a part of the team and i i don't remember him willing to pay any money he wanted to you know, use his name and, uh, you know, just be a part of the team and help the team and promote the team. But none of that um, came to pass. And then after the season, some of the teams were fairly successful, some weren't. And the conversation was changing the format, changing the time frame, changing. I mean, everything had become so um you know uh, different from what the original concept was so it's year two or year three they did everything totally different and then they went back to the original format by then i think we had lost a lot of momentum and um you know we allowed players to come and go as they wanted they could play only home games which ticked off uh you know i think i think Baltimore signed Jimmy Connors and he only had to play home games well that's great but when you come to Boston without Jimmy Connors now you got the fans thinking this is a hoax and so mm-hmm. I started to lose a little bit of that enthusiasm uh and it's really hard when you get you know, whatever it was eight or ten owners uh everybody pulling in a different direction
1: mm-hmm.
0: what was um uh, what are you proudest of in terms of, of this? Because, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure at one point it was kind of painful. And now it's you could kind of look back on it and like a, a certain. Yeah. Thing, you know, yeah, why, yeah, people painful. like us who've, who've who've kind of re-understood it for what it was. And I think there's well, a whole new
2: crowd of youth who kind of are looking at this in that way, frankly. Sure. I would just digress a second and say, if we had. The kind of cable television outlets that we have now, where uh, you know they're really fighting for content and fighting to fill the airways, and we could have got any kind of a uh, cable contract that could have given us the kind of money that we needed to increase the salaries of the players so that they would commit to a to a season and not. You know, play half the year and come and go, and you never know when they were coming. If we had that, I think it could have been very successful. But, you know, we, I figured out early, early on without that, we're going to struggle. And, uh, and you're not going to get all the big name players. You just aren't. And so, uh, you know, that, uh, that was a problem.
1: It's funny because you didn't have like, let's say, the celebrity name on your team, but you still had a lot of focus on your team. You didn't have Billie Jean, you know, but you still Mm -hmm. had the charismatic guy and you still get the press. It's kind of interesting. Like, people always think they got to spend the most to get the best player or whatnot, but you see where I'm going with that, kind of.
2: Sure. Sure. Well, again, I think that, you know, we did a tremendous amount of behind-the-scenes work and Mm-hmm. John Corff being you know so young, he's probably twenty-two years old. Wow! He recruited all these young kids, and so we had people holding banners and writing letters. And I mean, <laughs> the amount of energy that was put in—you know—it's it's almost like running a political campaign. He who works the hardest, some most often wins, and mm-hmm. and uh, so John Corff, thats the kind of guy he was and we had a bunch of other good people you know around him
0: that that kind of leads to like i had this one other question that i read somewhere but it sounds so fantastic that it can't be true was that did he bring a busload of people from a mental hospital to <laughs> one of your games
2: you know i i don't know if i ever heard that story so i won't uh, i can't say i don't remember that but it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me they were probably a busload of seniors from a senior center or something, but you I never know John would do from... anything.
0: Yeah. I I had heard three busloads from a local mental hospital.
2: It could very, very well be. You know, <laughs> uh, and it wouldn't surprise me.
0: Wow. Well, well, that's, that's the essence of a uh, world team tennis right there, right? Yeah. The chance to, to even try something like that. Um, Ray, um, you've really meant a lot to this project and i really value everything you've done and we've been talking about doing something at uh the boston sports museum when life goes back to normal so i hope we could all you know work together on that but you know you've had your uh i know you were car dealer of the year in one of the local papers up there this past year mm-hmm. so your legacy still continues um there but you're you're your place in Boston sports history is undeniable. And I
2: want to thank you for your time. uh, Thank you both. This has been a pleasure and I hope to let's stay in touch and uh, let's hope that uh, this is going to be very successful.
1: Yeah. And uh, we want to tell everybody to uh, check out, read about Ray, the Boston lobsters and the other teams in Stephen's new book, Boston balls. And uh, Ray's a legend. Ian Tyriak, all these people. When you, read about them you can't help but just be drawn into it it was an
2: amazing it's an amazing story it's fun it was fun yeah all right guys thank Thank you so much ray thank you thank you and thank you for everyone for joining us okay stay safe bye-bye bye everyone bye